Hello everyone, I'm Sergeant Major of the Army Retired Dan Daly, and welcome to this edition of Soldier Today Podcast. Soldier Today Podcast is a product of the Non-Commissioned Officer and Soldier Programs Directorate at the Association of the United States Army. Soldier Today subjects focus on those topics that are relevant and needed by our soldiers and their families serving the regular Army, the Army National Guard, and the Army Reserve. Today, we continue the discussion on the Army's efforts to improve talent management. The Army's talent management reform efforts are nested with the Army's people strategy, which is the roadmap the U.S. Army will use to build a 21st century talent-based personal management system, reform essential quality of life programs, and build cohesive teams that are ready, professional, diverse, and integrated for the joint force. Executing the people first priority, the total Army aims to acquire, develop, employ, and retain the diversity of soldier and civilian talent needed to achieve total Army readiness. Here at AUSA, we've been monitoring and reporting on the progress the Talent Management Task Force has been making for some time now. We've had several updates on the Army's progress to modernize its talent management in both the officer and enlisted fields, and today we will continue the discussion. In addition to officer and enlisted talent management, we will expand the discussion by hearing what the Army has in store for the Warrant Officer Corps as well. New to the Soldier Day podcast are three members of the Talent Management Task Force, and we're honored to have with us Lieutenant Colonel Joe Weinberg, CW5 Rick Knowlton, and Sergeant Major Stephen McDonald. Gentlemen, Sergeant Major, welcome to the Soldier Today podcast. Thanks, Sergeant Major. Happy to be here. Great to be here, Sergeant Major. I appreciate what you have done for our Army and this opportunity with AUSA to talk Warrant Officer Talent Management. Thanks, Sergeant Major. Absolutely privileged to take part of this and continue to tell the Army's story. Well, gentlemen, thank you for giving us the opportunity to help you tell that story. And no more proud than the Association of the United States Army is to be part of the talent management efforts of the United States Army today. So thanks for joining us. Gentlemen, I thought we'd start by continuing the tradition we have here at Soldier Today Podcast Studio. I'd like to begin by supporting our SAR Major of the Army's initiative, This Is My Squad. You know, SMA Grinston has said time and time again, it's important to get to know the members of your squad. So could you share with our listeners a little bit about yourselves? Where did you grow up and why did you decide to become a soldier? Lieutenant Colonel Weimer, could we start with you, please? So, Star Major, I grew up in a small town called Spring Lake, North Carolina. And as I'm sure some listeners are questioning, yes, people do leave that town. So I grew up there in and around the Army, son of two soldiers and the grandson of World War II and Korean War vets. And so this is what I knew when I grew up wanting to do. So here I am today, 25 years later. Well, sir, thanks for sharing that. 25 years, it's incredible service to this nation, and we appreciate the service sacrifice of both yourself and, understandably, the family that has followed you along in this journey. Chief Dalton, what about yourself? Well, Sergeant Major, I'm from down east Maine, home of the first naval battle of the Revolutionary War. I grew up exploring the outdoors, hoping to see more of the world, and wanting to fly as a way of doing just that. Unlike most officer programs that existed at the time, the Army had and still has the unique Warrant Officer Flight Training Program. And so after selection, I just wanted to prove to the Army it had made a good choice, and I've lived by that motivation ever since. Well, that's excellent, sir. And also to you as well, thanks for your incredible service and sacrifice to our country. And I can tell you, I've spent a lot of times in the back of one of those helicopters, and nothing against you, Colonel Weinberg, but we're always happy to see a chief up front because they usually have a stick in their hands a lot longer than everybody else. So thanks for what you do, sir, for our Army and our nation. Sergeant Major McDonald, now to you. Hey, thanks, Sergeant Major. I grew up in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is on the west side of Tampa Bay, so go Rays and go Bucks. I didn't really have a plan with my life after high school, and I just decided to call the Army recruiter one day. And 24 and a half years later, I'm still here. 
I've spent most of my career in the infantry, and now I'm really excited to have this opportunity to make a difference for the future of our NCO Corps. Well, thank you, Sergeant Major. I can tell you a number of our guests we've had on previously have said the same thing. They graduated high school, didn't know what they're going to do, and one day they woke up and said, let's give the Army a call. So thanks for making that call, Sergeant Major. Our Army's better because you did that many years ago, and we appreciate your service. So, General, let's jump into talent management. Lieutenant Colonel Weinberg, we've hosted several guests over the past 18 months to discuss the Army's talent management task force efforts, and a lot's been going on. And many of our listeners are familiar with the progress the Army has made thus far, but for those listeners that are new to the subject, could you provide us a recap on what the team has been doing? What's the mission of the task force and why is this so important to the Army? Thanks, Sergeant Major. So over the last two years, and really the last two years is where the most transformative changes have come to the Army with and through the Army Talent Management Task Force. Really, we're chartered by the Chief Staff of the Army to identify areas and opportunities to implement a 10x change to the Army to prepare the Army for 21st century warfare in the way that it assesses, selects, retains, recruits soldiers, officers, warrant officers, and civilians into its force. So in the last two years, we've taken eight of the nine authorizations from National Defense Authorization Act of 2019 and implemented them mostly within the officer side of the Army. But really, that opened up the door for the transformative changes that have come and are coming both in the warrant officer community, our non-commissioned officer community, and in the future, our junior enlisted community. Some of those afforded officers the opportunity to opt out of promotion boards in order to continue key and developmental jobs or jobs where they are a one-off talent in the Army that's critical to a mission the Army is conducting. Whereas in the past, based off of the lockstep conveyor belt system, when the time for promotion came, whether you were complete with that job or not, you would be assessed and either selected or not selected based off of that. And now we're giving officers that time back in order to finish those key jobs so that they can have the talents ready for the next level. So that's one of them. The other is instead of forcing officers to be considered for blows on promotion in the new opt-in format, the officer has to volunteer to opt-in early, one to two years in some cases for consideration of promotion, which allows an officer to identify his or her own promotion potential, obviously with counseling from mentors and you know their HRC career counselors to compete earlier. Additionally with that, it provided the ability to brevet promote officers into key positions identified by key leaders across the Army, validated by the Secretary of the Army that are hard to fill or require a special skill set. We haven't done this since really World War II. So with the new opportunity, really we started last year. We're in a second iteration of it right now. So those are a couple things we've done. And the greatest transformative change we've done really focuses on how we assign people in the Army. In the past, assignments were left up to HRC to assign based off strength requirements and the officer's preference was considered. Now with the open market system, officers allowed to profess their talents, flex, and compete for jobs that they think best meet their personal goals. On the flip side, units are allowed now to go through all the officers that are available for assignment and select those they think best meet their organization's missions requirements based off the self-professed knowledge, skills, and behaviors and the organization's needed knowledge, skills, and behaviors. And the last one really is the Commander's Assessment Program, which you began as a pilot in summer of 2019. We've executed two iterations of Battalion Command Assessment Program, one iteration of the Colonel's Command Assessment Program, selecting our brigade level 06 and general staff positions, as well as a non-binding pilot for our star major population this year. Really, it's impacted 804 officers. And in the Army's eyes going forward, we have a greater success in picking leaders who are better communicators, both orally and written, display a greater level of empathy and understanding, and believe to be more prepared for strategic leader positions in the future. 
Thanks for giving us that framework and the reason behind all this and why it's so important. Gentlemen, you know, a lot of work has been done on both the officer and enlisted talent management fronts. And I'd ask our listeners to go back and listen to some of the previous podcasts and the new reports that we've done on this, where they've explained the different steps that the Army has taken. But Sergeant Major McDonald, Lieutenant Colonel Weinberg, can you bring our listeners up to date on what's been going recently? Sergeant Major McDonald, let's start with the enlisted side. What's been going on in that front? So right now, the enlisted talent management team, we're currently working two main initiatives. The first, which Lieutenant Colonel Weinberg hinted at, which falls under the command assessment program umbrella, is the Sergeant Major Assessment Program. We will run the first binding Sergeant Major Assessment Program for brigade-level command sergeants major this fall in November at Fort Knox. We are currently working and talking to multiple agencies throughout the Army to figure out how we're going to implement the SMAP for battalion-level sergeants major next year. Our second main initiative is the first sergeant talent alignment assessment. The first sergeant talent alignment assessment is a decentralized job placement tool to be run at division or installation level. It's going to help those division CSMs along with brigade command sergeants majors to gather more information on their senior non-commissioned officer population and be able to put the right person in the right job at the right time. We've just run three pilots of the first sergeant TAA. The first one we ran at Fort Bragg in December. We ran one with first ID and Fort Riley in May. And we just got back from running the third pilot number three at Fort Drum, New York with the 10th Mountain Division last week. Those are our main initiatives. We are also working and looking at how we can improve our junior enlisted population through junior enlisted promotions and make them better find the right person for the right job and ensuring that our young NCOs and young soldiers have the right leadership they need growing up in the Army. Sergeant Major, we've discussed this before, too, is credible initiatives going across the Army. Now that you've had a chance to implement and pilot some of these things, what's some of the feedback you're getting from both the participants and the leadership? That's our major specifically for the first sergeant TAA, the division command sergeants major and the brigade command sergeants major that sit on our panels and participate in the program. They love it. They love the fact that they have more information to make important decisions on. We all know that first sergeants are key positions within our army. They're the last NCO rank that really has direct supervision and leadership over their soldiers. And I think a thing we overlook sometimes with that is they also are responsible for mentoring those company grade officers and pushing them along in their career. The feedback we're getting from the candidates who participate in the talent alignment assessment is mostly positive. There are a few folks that push back because it's just not how they grew up. Now, I think culture change is going to be a part of that, but majority of candidates we have are positive in the program and they love being able to add additional information to their standard Army records so leaders can see that and make decisions and put the right person in the right job at the right time. Sorry, Major, you're right. Change is hard, but this change is necessary, I feel. And I think that when the Army sees the fruits of its labor, so do the people that are involved in it, they'll be more receptive to change, I hope. Colonel Weinberg, how about on the officer side? What's been going on recently, and what's some of the feedback you're hearing from the officers and from the leadership? So, Sir Major, we are still working to evolve the Commander Assessment Program. In parallel with that, expand the opportunity to provide senior leaders, both selected for Battalion Command, Brigade Command, the opportunity to receive professional Army coaching. So part of that, you know, we get a lot of positive feedback, but we do get some negative feedback. The usual criticism focuses on, well, what is the leader supposed to do? Because we're required by regulation and by duty with our position to provide counseling and mentorship. We as an organization have to continuously explain the difference between coaching and mentoring. 
and that what we provide in terms of Army coaching program is an external opportunity to receive feedback and developmental feedback to help that leader see themselves and prepare for the mantle of command and leadership. We have had a greater take rate than people initially proposed. And so we've had several candidates who went through coaching asking for more and more hours. And so we take that as positive, but we also stand ready to receive feedback on what we can do to make it better as we continue to work this contract in the future. And another thing is continuing to try to expand our opportunities through the direct commission program, looking for those people that are in the civilian sector that have those key talents that we need that we don't have time to grow in the Army. And, you know, the cyber community is doing a great job leading the Army in terms of assessing, recruiting, and commissioning personnel. So we're trying to find opportunities to expand beyond just those small communities. So it's still a continual work in progress. Thank you, sir. Gentlemen, as mentioned previously, we've been following the Army's efforts to modernize officer enlisted talent management for some time. There are many similarities between the two lines of efforts, as you heard, but the need to manage officers and enlisted talent is understandably unique within the separate cohorts. What we have not talked about much is what the Army's doing by the way of talent management in the Warrant Officer Corps. CW5 Nolton, can you share some of the similar and perhaps unique efforts of the Warrant Officers Corps in its efforts to modernize the talent management system? Absolutely, Sergeant Major. So first, what makes us unique is where we come from. The vast majority of us come from within the Army. And the unique challenge for us is that we are such a small slice of the Army, less than 3%. And so because of that, we sometimes get left behind when it comes to policy modernization. An example of this is that 2019 National Defense Authorization Act that we've been discussing. Great improvements to the officer talent management, but none of them could be applied to us in Title 10. Fortunately, our leadership recognized this and a warrant officer representative was added to the talent management task force. The first thing we did was we developed a legislative proposal for merit-based promotions. Simultaneously, we also went after policy with Army directives of which to have been approved, direct commissioning to CW2 for senior NCOs in the Special Forces, and a policy change to allow retired regular Army warrant officers to serve in the National Guard or Reserve. And just on that last note there about the National Guard and Reserve, uh, one of the things that they are short is experience. And we retire in the active duty approximately 600 warrant officers per year. And if you just multiply that by 20, that's 12,000 years of experience that we could possibly match, you know, using the idea of permeability into the Guard and Reserve. So we are excited about that being approved recently. Sir, I'll tell you, I personally heard of that initiative. I thought, what a phenomenal initiative. As we all well know, our warrant officers are the ones who culminate the most flight hours, and they're the ones who are most sought after by our civilian flight industry, which is a good thing. But being able to retain them in the Guard keeps that combat capability at hand when we need it, and that's the beauty of our warrant officer corps. So, Chief Dalton, as we're keenly aware, change is hard. It takes time to implement change, and all of us are naturally resistant to it. Can you share some of the feedback you're getting from your fellow warrant officers across the force how is this being perceived, and what is the pulse of the Warrant Officer Corps on the need and willingness to implement and accept change? Well, overwhelmingly, the feedback and support has been positive. Most of the initiatives we are pursuing are long overdue for us, and we know it. That's not to say there aren't some grumblings out there either. As an example, there are some junior aviators complaining about an initiative to extend the time they serve as W-1s. The reason we're doing is aircraft are becoming more complex, along with the mission set. And we now have CW2s are not fully mission qualified, some not even close, and that's not acceptable. Our CW2s must be the technical and tactical experts the Army expects them to be. 
So we want to provide additional time for them to develop SW1s. Sort of all great initiative. And I agree. You know, our CWs have always been our technical experts and someone I've called upon throughout my career for great technical advice, which I received countless number of times. So thanks for the initiatives to improve our warrant officer course, sir, and thanks for everything you're doing. Lieutenant Colonel Weinberg and Sergeant McDonald, that's a fair question for both of you as well. I'm sure our listeners are curious to know what our officers and NCOs are saying about just overall the Army's efforts to modernize talent management. What can you share with us, Lieutenant Colonel Weinberg? Sergeant Major, I think overall, and actually it's not even a think, I know overall that there is a positive view of what we're trying to do to modernize the Army, not just on the officer side, but across each of the communities within the Army. But like all things, and you know it from your time in the Army, and especially in your last time in your last position in the Army as Sergeant Major of the Army, that there are going to be those that are resistant to change. It's not just a feeling limited to the Army or Department of Defense. It's just human nature in general. And I think some of the problems that we have with this change is what feels like the scope and scale of change is fast and it's large. But there are those who kind of have to take a look in a mirror in themselves and ask, hey, you know, would I have survived this change? Or the self-assessment, hey, am I as talented as the Army is asking this next generation to be? It's natural. Anytime there's humans in a loop, there's always going to be that question that lingers out there, like, is this the right thing? But I think by and large, based on the feedback we've gotten, it's been absolutely positive. And there's always going to be critics. And we are not a shelved off organization that can't accept criticism. We actually welcome criticism because the whole goal is to make the Army of the future better. Thank you, sir. Sergeant Major, for you, but, you know, senior non-commissioned officers, having been one for many years, we tend to just salute the flag. What are the junior non-commissioned officers saying and the soldiers saying about these initiatives? Our major, just like with what Colonel Weinberg said, the junior NCOs and enlisted soldiers are generally positive about the things we are doing. I think they recognize that the Army is doing its best to try, again, to put the right leaders in the right jobs. It just makes the Army better in the long run. We've had a little pushback at all levels. You know, the enlisted talent management team travels across multiple Army installations and, and conducts professional development sessions with all ranks. And what we get back is, we get pushed back until the junior NCOs and enlisted soldiers actually understand what we're trying to do, which is improve the Army, improve their way of life, and most importantly, improving the leadership within the Army. Thanks, Sergeant Major. Well, gentlemen, I, I hate to go here, but I'm going to have to red team this a little bit. You know, we got to satisfy our critics out there, and they wouldn't be happy unless I did this. So what the Army is doing is quite comprehensive. It's both time and resource intensive. And we discussed this previously. It's change. And we all know how tough change can be to swallow. For each of you, the Army has always had the challenge of competing requirements. But specifically, how will the Army be able to keep these programs going? And will they last? And what happens if we get into another conflict? Can we afford to do this with an Army in conflict? Colonel Weinberg, let's start with you again, please. You're absolutely right. The Department of Defense as a whole is in a competition of resources. As budgets become tight, decisions become more difficult. What we're talking about is the most difficult resource, not in terms of money, but time. We're in a race against time to try and match the pace of competitors globally. If you read several professional articles written about the shrinking gap in terms of competitive advantage technologically, financially, we are on the risk in the next eight years of being the second seat globally. But what goes hand in hand with that is the competition of the resource of people. It is critical. Time and people are the two things we're competing for across the Army, especially as we try and reshape the Army for the multi-domain operational fight in a somewhat no-growth environment. It's difficult, and we're always having to fight for resources, not just within our organization and Department of the Army, but across the other services. I'm hopeful. I know hope is not a method for planning. It was beaten in my head at TGSC and several leaders. And at this point, 
we have some of our initiatives that have reached what I believe is a degree of irreversible momentum based on the amount of positive traction they've made. Some of these changes are captured in law. The eight changes that we've incorporated from NDA 19, that's law. So that takes a significant amount of energy to go back through the NDA process to remove those changes. So I think those are on solid ground. The incorporation of ATAP, the incorporation of CAP are both positive changes I think have gained positive traction across the Army. And it'll take a couple more years for them to grow and people to use positive change. But I think there are always going to be those critics that are going to take an opportunity to try and cut what they can cut going forward. And I'm optimistic that we're going to continue having the right leaders that see the probability and the requirement to continue to keep these in place to meet the demands of the fight in the future. So the question about the next war. We met with the Vice Chief Staff of the Army and Director of Army Staff back in January to discuss the expansion of CAP. And one of the biggest things we laid on the table for everybody is that, hey, the CSL board that everyone is used to has to remain in place because it provides the Army an opportunity to expand the number of commanders and sergeants major in the event we have to expand during a time of war. So that's an example of acknowledging a system that we have, that there is a complementary system around that we would still have to bring back into play in a time of war. So long and short answer, Sergeant Major, I'm hopeful. Thanks for that honest feedback, sir. And it's, it's good to hear that the Army is looking at this crossed all spectrums of the operation to include how comprehensive this would be during a future conflict. Chief Nelton, uh, I know our warrant officer out there are listening. What's the warrant officer thoughts on this? Thanks, Sergeant Major. So first of all, well, we have to acknowledge that working talent takes work. And we intentionally started by going after identified talent management gaps, at least for the warrants at no cost or low cost to the Army. As we continue to develop our initiatives, the intent is to demonstrate the clear value they bring, and on the occasion a cost is required, why it will be worth every minute and every penny spent. But it's, it's an investment in our people. I agree, Chief, and this investment's worth it. I always say is uh, we've always been in a state of repair in the Army, and it's okay if we always stay in that state of repair, because that means we're looking for ways to get better. Sergeant Major, close us out with the NCO perspective. Will this last? I think it's a question of it has to, the statement should be it has to last and so will it last. I think with change comes buy-in and there's a cultural change and shift that has to happen, especially from the senior non-commissioned officer corps, pushing it down to the lower levels to understand that these programs are being implemented for a reason is to find the right people and the right leaders and the right talent. And I think once we start seeing the results of you know improved HR metrics, less sharp incidents, better trained soldiers ready to go fight in a multi-domain conflict, I think the way we have to push along is understanding culture change. Having the right person in the right job at the right time will significantly increase how well our soldiers do and how well we as an Army can fight our future wars. Well, thanks, Army Major. Great perspective. Gentlemen, many of our listeners are soldiers, and we've seen a spike in the numbers every time we have someone on the show to talk about talent management. That's good. Understandably, though, this subject is important as it directly impacts their careers. As we mentioned several times, it's different from what I and all of you have grown up with in the Army. Now that you have lived the old way and you have a firsthand look at the new way of doing things, what advice would each of you give that young sergeant, that young lieutenant, or that brand new warrant officer? Chief Nolte, let's start with you this time, please. Well, you're not only expected to be the technical and tactical expert you will be learning and leading change the entire time you remain in the Army. The enemy is watching and they're learning, but our strength is our people and talent wins and winning matters. Thanks, Chief. Great advice. Sergeant Major? Yes, Sergeant Major. I would tell those young sergeants that it's a great time to be a young NCO in the Army. 
they are on the forefront of change for the NCO Corps. And I had a good comment from the Commandant of the Non-Commissioned Officer Academy at 10th Mountain last week. He said, they're lucky because they are going to see the results of all the talent management task force initiatives put in place by the time they make staff sergeant and sergeant first class. So I would say they're lucky. And I would also tell them, be self-aware. Self-awareness is a huge part of what we do as leaders. And being self-aware will absolutely allow the Army to see itself better and make better leaders. So, Major, I hope you don't mind me adding to it, but it's really complimentary for what you said, being self-aware. you got to get involved. you got to understand the system, study it, know it, because you're going to live it. A good way to do that is to listen to these podcasts. And finally, Lieutenant Colonel Weinberg, your thoughts. So, Sergeant Major, I would definitely tell them to read, not just books, but read up on what the Army is doing. The Army changes at such a fast pace, and the link between what's being put out and the junior leader sometimes isn't tight. And so that platoon leader, that platoon sergeant, that section OIC, that section OIC, knowing and understanding what the Army is doing to change can mean a world of difference to their subordinates, their peers, in terms of finding that right window to pursue what they wanted to get out of the Army. I would tell them that right now is the opportune time to get a hold of every opportunity. When I came in, when all of us came in, it was, hey, here's your lockstep process in order to move to the Army. It's not that way anymore. It becomes now a choose-your-own-adventure. Obviously, it needs the Army to take precedence, but the world was all open to them that wasn't open 22 years ago or 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And like the Sergeant Major said, be willing to take critical feedback. What's been implemented now through the PME for officers and soon-to-be non-commissioned officers is the culture of assessment. So at each step they're going to go through, they're going to receive an assessment that's going to tell them a little more about themselves than they knew when they came in. And having the open mind and willingness to take criticism in order to become better and also make the Army and their organizations better. I think that's the biggest thing I would say. Well, thank you, sir. Well, gentlemen, unfortunately, we're running out of time for today. And I know that we've just touched on some of the broader efforts done by the task force. And there's a lot of work being done by the entire team across all three cohorts. But I know that we're going to come back to this subject again in the very near future. So, gentlemen, for our listeners out there, I want to give you the opportunity to say the last few words. Let's start with you, Lieutenant Colonel Weinberg. Sergeant Major, I would just say that this is a great time to be in the Army. This is the Army that we all knew was possible. This is the Army we all went through our careers wanting and saying, that if I ever get a chance, I'm going to make a change. Not that there was anything bad in the Army before, but we have to continue to grow. And so we're on the cusp of growth in terms of how we do things. Every time I give a brief to an organization, when I close it out, I always ask them, take a hard look at what we're doing. The Army Talent Management Task Force doesn't own the patent to having only good ideas. So if there's an initiative that we need to do that can make the Army better, the Army and the Army Talent Management Task Force and the G1 Human Capital Enterprise will gladly take those and try to incorporate them because in the end, it's making the Army ready for the future fight. And sir, before I go to Chief and Star Major, you've said several times, you got to get invested in this. you got to understand it. you got to learn it. Where do they go? How do they get the latest updates on what's going on? So, Star Major, there's a couple places they can go. They can join the S1Net community, the subscriber, and that is one form for not only getting what the Army's putting out in terms of MILPER updates, Alarax, but that's also, they do a great job of pushing out our sit rep that we push out to a massive audience. In March, we started a podcast that's available on Apple and Google Play. We've just published the episode on Career Innovation Program, and there'll be monthly episodes coming out from here on out. And then also, they can just Google Army Talent Management, and it'll take them right to our site, and they can get what is the latest and greatest. I'd also say that if an organization is listening to this and wants to get a talent management brief or an update on what we're doing in talent management, 
we'll stop and brief anybody to get this information out as far and as wide as possible. So they can look me up on the global, Weinberg, W-E-I-N-B-U-R-G-H. There's two of them. I'm Joseph. The starting first class is my brother. I'll answer anything. I'll brief any time to anybody to help make this better. Thank you, sir. Chief Nolton, your final thoughts, please. Sergeant Major, sincerely, thanks for inviting a warrant officer to the table. It's been a great discussion, and we appreciate the support, and this is how we bring value to the team, so thank you. Thank you, Chief. Sergeant Major, close us out. Thanks, Sergeant Major. We do appreciate your time, and i just like to say to all the junior enlisted and junior non-commissioned officers out there, just remember that your main responsibility is still to train lead soldiers and get them ready for the next fight. I'll echo what Lieutenant Colonel Weinberg said. Please reach out to the Enlisted Talent Management Task Force, the website. It's talent.army.mil. There is an enlisted drop-down. We take and welcome all kinds of feedback. We're just a small team trying to implement change for the Army. So if you have a good idea or if you just have a question, reach out to us and we'll do our best to get back with you as soon as possible. Thanks, Sergeant Major. Thank you, Sergeant Major. Ladies and gentlemen, our time has come to an end. Close this edition of Soldier Today podcast. All of us here at the Association of the United States Army want to thank Lieutenant Colonel Joe Weinberg, CW5 Rick Knowlton, and Sergeant Major Stephen McDonald for joining us today, sharing their personal stories, and giving us an important update on the Army's Talent Management Task Force efforts. As Army alums, I can say from all of us across the country, thank you and the entire Talent Management Task Force for what you have done and all that you continue to do for our Army. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Matters Podcast on iTunes and everywhere podcasts are found. The Army Matters Podcast series is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission to educate, inform, and connect with the total Army our industry partners, and our supporters of a strong national defense. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Have a great Army Day. Hua.